Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First of the yesterday's news, I'm Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Sunday and Saturday, because that's the weekend. If it was just yesterday, it wouldn't be a weekend. Um, who, who should own the water? How do they own the water? The law around it? This has all got very weird. Uh, the Black Caps, great win for them uh, Friday night. Not so much yesterday because the game was rained off. Uh, Will Anderson, one of my favourite comedians, has got a book out. And Sarah Wilson quit sugar and made a lot of money out of it. But before any of that, uh, spending versus inflation. What to do, what to do. Maybe we do need a little bit of left field thinking to help with the inflation fight. There is a good chance it's too late to do much about the spending over the Black Friday weekend, so perhaps we should turn our attention to what is usually an inevitable Christmas splurge. With the big day less than a month away, my only advice is don't give people crap for the sake of giving them crap. In the Tame family, we made a pact a few years ago to run a secret Santa for all the adults. $50 maximum. We put the names in a hat, we randomly assign gifters and giftees, and you only buy one gift. The idea is that you just sit around and try to guess who bought yours. And yeah, you could be you could be a bit creative if you like. I think last year I gave my dad a t-shirt with a photo of the family dog on it. <laughs> Hardly a life-changing gift, sure, but not nothing. It's fun. It takes a good chunk of the expense out of Christmas, and it ultimately means you're not ending up with heaps of stuff you don't want or spending for the sake of spending. And who knows, what's good for inflation might ultimately be good for your Christmas too. I have tried to make it so easy for anybody who wants to buy me a present. I've just, my Christmas list just went bourbon, 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 bourbon. And then it was pointed out to me that that, that perhaps I've got a problem. Hmm. So that took a dark turn, didn't it, for your Christmas list? <sighs> um, now, uh, people are feeling very dark about this Three Waters business and who's going to own it. And now, the, this whole 60% vote thing. I know, I know what's happening. I'm really trying to care about this. I'm trying so hard. No, I'm not really trying that hard, to be honest. This entrenchment that the government um, are looking at enacting at 60%, what's going on? So normally to make law in Parliament, you just need a majority. So 50% of MPs, uh, half, you know, half the MPs can make any law they want. What the, uh, has happened here, though, is that the Green Party has introduced a change to the bill setting up the Three Waters system, which says that uh, the protections for these new Three Water entities, to change those in the future will require 60% of MPs, a specialised, different form of lawmaking. Uh, that only happens under our law for very, very uh, small things, uh, very, very, very few things like our electoral system, the age of voting, the length of the term of parliament, and so on. So this is quite a different approach because it's taking a matter of social policy, something people will disagree about, and saying that you need a super majority of MPs in the future to change it. So today's MPs are trying to tell tomorrow's MPs what they can and can't do through a specific uh, procedure. Is this an abuse of power? Is it even legal? Yeah, well, I mean, this thing about Parliament, you know, it can do this, provided you've got the same number of MPs supporting it as will be required for the change in the future. 
So because 70-odd MPs, 74 MPs from Green and Labour have voted to do this, they can say in the future you will need 70-odd MPs to make this change. So legally it can be done. The question really is, is it appropriate to do it for a law which future people may disagree? Now, at the moment, we may think that, you know, keeping these water entities in public hands is really important. But, you know, in 10 years' time, things may change. Yeah, that's always been my argument against tattoos. In 10 years' time, things may change. Well, I know the shape of me, for example, has changed dramatically in the last 10 years, and if I'd tattooed certain bits of me, those tattoos would look quite different now. I don't really know how I got onto tattoos from Three Waters. I think it was just a desperate attempt to stop talking about it. Uh, luckily, we had the Black Caps to uh, distract us on Friday night. Tom Latham, star of the show. Where does it rate, though, Tom, among the 50-over innings that you've played for New Zealand? Uh, yeah, it's probably up there with um, with one of the better ones. Uh, I think probably the this, this situation of the game, um, coming in at 80 for three, I think it was, and... On a wicket that was, uh, you know, there was a little bit of turn there uh, for the off spinner, and I guess to to put a partnership on like that with Kane uh, and for us to both be there at the at the end was, was pretty pleasing. So um, yeah, certainly up there with with one of the better ones. How did the conversations between you and Kane Williamson develop as your partnership did? Uh, I think when I first came out of it, for me, it was just about trying to be busy and rotate the strike and. Think put the balls into the gaps and and try sort of capitalise on on any bad balls. But um, we were sort of talking throughout the innings. Um, the longer our partnership went on, was just trying to keep the keep the rate sort of hovering around eight and over. And uh, we know with the unique dimensions of, of Eden Park that um, that you can score pretty quickly towards the back end. And uh, if we had wickets in hand, then um, yeah, then we can capitalise on on those last 10 overs but um yeah, i think the way we managed to um i guess get out of the uh, uh, the 40th over and to, to have an over uh, where it probably changed the game was was pretty pleasing and, and i i guess we just kept going we both kept going and and obviously managed to to win with a couple of overs to spare he's really fizzing at the bung isn't he tom um I, uh, one of my colleagues was at that match uh, it was the day after his birthday he he took Friday off in order to go to the cricket. He's a bit of a cricket tragic. Uh, he had big plans. They, they, although the game didn't start until two or two thirty or whatever, he was meeting his friends at the pub at eleven. So I can only hope that he remembers being at the game. Uh, now, uh, Will Anderson. Uh, I'd be more interested in going seeing him live than going to cricket myself. Uh, I'm a bit of a fanboy, I've got to say. He's got a book out. I really hope you enjoyed writing this book as much as I enjoyed reading it. Oh, I hope you enjoyed reading it more than I enjoyed <laughs> writing it, is the real answer. Because it was a book in some ways written very much in frustration because at like part of the theme of the book, not the entire theme of the book, but one of the themes of the book is it starts in April 2020 when the Melbourne International Comedy Festival was cancelled and it was going to be my 25th year in a row doing the show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It's the first thing that goes in my diary every year. It's my anchor, you know, the spine of my career. And, uh, you know, 25 years in a row is quite a long time to do something. It meant my comedy career was officially going to be old enough that Leonardo DiCaprio would not date it. So, you know, it's a lot of years doing one thing. And for it to go away, I suddenly had all these thoughts, all these, you know, perspectives on the world. And every year when I do the show, it really is an opportunity for me to 
channel both how I feel about the world, but how I feel about myself, you know, in that world. That's what my shows generally are about. Who am I and who am I, you know, in the broader world? And suddenly we're going through the biggest, you know, trauma that we've all, we've ever gone through, particularly in my lifetime. And I have nowhere to process that. So that's really what the book, you know, came from. And so it was written very much with a sense of frustration, not only at where my life was at, but where the world was at. So Will Anderson, Australian comedian Will Anderson there, uh, his book is I Am Not Fine Things, um, which I haven't read yet. I intend to read it. I consume most of my Will Anderson via his podcast. He's got quite a few podcasts um, and a few, like a bit of silliness which I'm assuming you do because you listen to this podcast, but maybe I've got that wrong. Uh, look up Will Anderson's podcast. It's Will with one L. There's the trick. Uh, we're going to finish up here with Sarah Wilson, also with one L. Uh, she founded I Quit Sugar and then sold it. I don't know what it is, but it sounds anti-sugar to me. I think you have had one of the most unique and interesting careers of anyone we've had on this show. And, you know, when I think about the things you've covered over the years, um, sugar, our diets, our waste culture, our convenience culture, climate change, it's like you're always one step ahead. I, I wonder how are you so trendy when it comes to choosing your subjects? <laughs> I don't know that I am. I was about to answer your question mm. about why and how I've done so much by saying I'm just old. <laughs> so, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, no, no. I think I think that um, that that negates any kind of trendiness going on. Um, I suppose I am very observant, and I am on social media, and I listen, and I'm not. I, I get a bit of a. I call it a smell when I can smell something happening. When I can feel and sense that um, the population's not happy, mm. you know, it's such a bubble You can and you can smell it, you know, it's got a bad smell. And with sugar, certainly that's what happened, anxiety, um, climate stuff, all the different projects I've moved around. I, I feel that something bubbling, I feel a frustration. Everyone around me is just going, what do we do? How do we fix it? Yeah. And I happen to have a habit of going down very long rabbit holes. So <laughs> I, I don't think I'm particularly extraordinary except that I'm I'm, I'm prepared to go down those rabbit holes yeah. and stay down there until I emerge with information that might actually help people. It's funny, isn't it? Um, these people who feel like it's their role in life to tell other people how to live theirs. I'm not saying that they don't have some good ideas. I just find it funny because I I can't think of anything worse and, and I can't think of anything I'm less qualified to do. I guess it's because I'm such a shamble. I suppose that there are people in the world who think that they've got it all together, so they've got something to share, whereas I'm the opposite. I guess I could tell people what not to do. Maybe I should... A bit like Will Anderson saying, I'm not okay, I'm not fine, thanks. Um, I could do a, perhaps a self-not-help book. Like, don't be like me. I do wonder if I was a guest on Jack's show whether he would also say that I, I had a unique and interesting career. I think it's been quite unique. I don't know if you call it a career, though. I'm going to go away and think about that. I'm Glenn ZB. That has been News Talk ZB. The weekend edition will be back here uh, with a sort of a normal Tuesday-ish one tomorrow. See you then.